0: Today's scripture comes out of the book of Mark, chapter 5, verses 21 through 43. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying, please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. At once, Jesus realized that the power had gone from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, "'Who touched my clothes?' "'You see the people crowding around you,' his disciples answered, "'and yet you can ask, who touched me?' But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, "'Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering.'" While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated.
1: Well, good morning, West Bulls. Before we begin, can we give... Mellow, Chloe, the worship team, the tech team, the video team, the ushers, all a hand real quick, yes. Uh, yeah, it is, it is a fun service, uh, everything from, yeah, tech to video to ushers to announcements, the scripture reading, um, youth run this morning, so or youth leader run, so uh, it is a wonderful morning. Uh, well, wanted to say one more time, happy Mother's Day to all you in the crowd or watching online. We know that this is such a happy day for so many, uh, but we also know this is a difficult day for so many, um, whether it's that you've lost your mother, maybe you've lost a child, maybe there's been some difficulty having kids. Um, and we just want to let you know that we're here with you. We want to walk alongside you. We love you, we care for you, and just know that God is with you in the midst of this. So with that, I want to pray, and then we're going to get started with the sermon. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Uh, Lord, thank you for the opportunity to get together on this beautiful day, Lord, um, and just worship you. Lord, I pray that you speak through me. Uh, that nothing may be of me, but that it all be you, Lord God. If there's anything you want me to say, I pray that I say it. If there's anything you don't want me to say, Lord, I pray that you shut my mouth. Lord Jesus, we love you and thank you. In your name we pray, amen. Well, how many of you have seen the movie Remember the Titans? Yeah, great movie. If you haven't seen it, I'm going to spoil some things for you, but I don't feel bad because it's like a 20-year-old movie, okay? So that's on you, all right? Not on me, on you. Uh, I love that movie. The, the plot basic plot line is... You've got this team. It's the middle of of desegregation. And this team is brought together, right? Half African-American, half white. And uh, all the odds are stacked against them. Basically, the coach is told, uh, you've got to win every game. You've got to have a perfect season. And if you don't, you're fired. And we're going to dismantle this team. And so everything's going against them. The refs are against them as you watch the movie. There's fighting in the team, amongst the team. They're fighting uh, the culture who's going... This shouldn't be happening. Other opponents, other coaches are, are outright against them. I mean, the school board's against them. So really, if you look at the situation they were put in, it looks pretty hopeless, doesn't it? Yeah. All the odds were stacked against them. It was hopeless. And I think part of the reason we love movies and other stories like that is because we see hopeless situations, and then when there's a triumph, it inspires us. We love to see a hopeless situation filled with hope, don't we? Well, this morning, we're going to talk about some hopeless situations, some things that look pretty bleak, and the hope is that this morning, you leave filled with the ultimate hope. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Mark chapter 5, Mark chapter 5, We are going to pick it up in verse 21, and we're actually we're going to look at three, specifically three hopeless situations, all right? So Mark chapter 5, verse 21 says this. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. Now we're going to stop right there. As you read that passage, you can hear Jairus' desperation, can't you? I mean, as you read it, you can almost picture just how desperate he is. He is is pleading for the life of his little girl. There's nothing more important to him at that moment. He's pleading, he's begging Jesus. Now, this isn't in the text, but I'd like to to kind of think or imagine that Jairus probably did anything and everything he could within his power before this, right? If, if, If your kid's sick, you do anything you can for them, right? You will go to the ends of the earth for them. And so I'd like to imagine Jairus probably went and sought out any and every solution he could find, but it got so desperate. He finally got to the point where he went, there's nothing else left. So he goes to Jesus. Now, this is the first hopeless situation I want us to look at. It's hopeless things that happen to those we love. This wasn't something that was happening to Jairus. This is something that was happening to his daughter. And there's something unique that happens when we have to watch someone we love go through suffering. Maybe as we read this story, maybe for some of you this resonates deeply. Maybe you're going, yeah, I've got a kid who's really sick. I've got a kid who's really struggling. And there's only so much you can do, right? You can give medicine. You can take them to doctors. You can try and get them treated. But at some point, that's all you can do. The rest is up to them, up to God, up to the situation. There's no more. You can only go so far. Maybe for you it's it's not a kid, but it's a relationship. You've watched as, as that spouse or a sibling has really struggled. Maybe it's the, the loss of a job or, or their dreams being crushed. And you can encourage, you can support, you can give them all the kind words you can, but at some point, there's only so much you can do. Youth, maybe it's watching that friend struggle with mental health. You see someone struggling deeply with that. And again, you can encourage. You can provide words of affirmation. You can try and get them help, get them to an adult, help find counseling. But at some point, there's only so much you can do. And here's what begins to happen. As as we watch someone else suffer, as we do all that we can do, as things maybe get worse, as they don't get better, or maybe they don't progress, it just You begin to feel helpless, don't you? There's this sense of, I don't know what else to do. For me, it was a cancer diagnosis. I will never forget that phone call. I'll never forget my mother calling me and saying, Your dad's got cancer. I'll never forget sitting in the office with the oncologist as he told us it's terminal. I'll never forget taking into chemo. There was only so much I could do. The rest was out of my hands. When you're watching someone you love go through this seemingly hopeless situation and you feel helpless, we begin to get desperate. We... We begin to feel for Jairus, don't we? Oh man, yeah. We plead, we hope, we beg. But there's another hopeless situation. Let's keep reading. We're going to skip down a few verses. So we're going to go, I'm sorry, we're going to keep continuing. Verse 24, the second half of it says this. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. We see this woman. She's done everything she can. Right? We. She's gone to every doctor. In fact, she has gone so far as that now she's not only sick, but now she is also poor. Sounds a lot like our healthcare system, yeah? Yeah. Anyone relate? Yeah. You go to the doctors once, and you're like, oh my gosh. But she's expended everything she can. And every doctor has told her the same thing: we don't. We don't know what to do. In fact, she's become a medical mystery. There's no solution. The next hopeless situation I want to talk to is hopeless things that happen to us. Maybe you resonate deeply with this woman. Maybe you're going, Yeah, I've been to every doctor, I've been to every specialist, and they all tell me the same thing. We don't know what's wrong. Or maybe we can't fix what's wrong. There's no solution, there is no cure. That's a hard place to be. No one likes to be a medical mystery. No one likes to hear the doctor go, oh I'm not sure, and they're not sure either, so good luck. Even if it's not a good thing, we want to know what's wrong. We want to know how we can fix it. But sometimes there is no answer. Maybe it's not a medical diagnosis, maybe it's another relationship, right? Maybe you've gone to counseling. You sought help. You've been to therapy. But no matter how hard you try, things in the marriage are just not getting better. You're still struggling. You're still fighting, and it's not looking good. Maybe it is mental health. Mental health is so difficult and tricky to figure out. Maybe you have been to every doctor, Maybe you've been to counseling, you've been to therapy, you're on medication. And maybe it's true what you're hearing here with this happening to this woman. Maybe it's just getting worse. You see, there's, there's something unique about our own suffering as well. It's difficult to watch someone else suffer. We feel helpless, but there's something unique about what happens when we suffer. We get encouraging words people speak affirmation to us, they help us, meals, all those kind of things and it's wonderful, isn't it? When we're suffering and someone encourages you, man, there's some days where you wake up and you're like, I wouldn't have gotten through this day if it wasn't for that word. If it wasn't for this group, if it wasn't for that action, for that help. But sometimes, you get to the end of the day and you go, that's beneficial, it's helpful, but no one else is struggling the way I'm struggling. At the end of the day, I'm, I'm suffering and there's no one suffering with me. So when we're going through a seemingly hopeless situation, it can be very isolating and lonely, can't it? We feel like it's just us going through it. Yes, there might be support, but we can feel utterly and completely alone in a room full of people, in a room full of help. Our own hopeless situations have a way of doing that to us. There's a third hopeless situation I want to walk us through. We are actually going to jump a few verses down. We're going to skip to verse 35. Verse 35. So if you're following along in your Bible, skip down to verse 35. It says, while Jesus was still speaking, so while he's still dealing with, with this woman, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Jairus goes to Jesus for help. He's got no more hope left. What happens? His daughter dies. There's nothing left after that. What more is there, right? That's why they say, why bother the teacher anymore? The third, the third situation I want to talk through with you guys is this, is hopeless situations when, when hope seems lost, when hope seems entirely gone. That's, that's going to the last specialist and them going, yeah, not only is it, do I not know what's going on, but no one else is going to know what's going on, and there is absolutely no cure. There's nothing for you. That's the divorce paper being signed. For some, that's death. For me, I remember a conversation with a doctor, yet another one, where they said the chemo's not working anymore, there's nothing else we can do. And your father's got days to weeks left to live. That hopelessness, when all hope was gone, was that call to hospice. This is a difficult place to be, isn't it? There's no more options, nothing else we can do. It's over. So why do I bring this up on Youth Sunday? <laughs> what does that have to do with youth? Well, as I look at the world they're growing up in, as I look at the situation they're in, they're up against a wall. They're up against some giants. They're facing some pretty seemingly hopeless things. We could sit here, we could talk about COVID. Right? I mean, geez, we could spend another half hour talking about COVID and the effects that has had on these kids. I mean, you remember the teenage years? They were already difficult and isolating, and you already had trouble meeting people, and, and you already wanted to be alone, and then we threw in lockdown, right? It's been tough for our kids. We, we could spend a lot of time talking about that. We could talk about the accessibility of drugs and how much easier it is to not just get, like, small drugs, but, like, some pretty hardcore drugs gotten a lot easier it's a quick text away we could talk about that we could talk about the stress that they're under the 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 burden that they feel to be absolutely perfect i have talked to many of these kids and there is a burden to feel perfect to be perfect In other words, I I have to get an A on every assignment. Everything I have to do has to be absolute perfection. I have to be perfect in sports and in school. And if I fail, if I slip up, if I mess up one thing, then it's all over. My future's ruined. And it's not I failed at something. What that translates to is I'm a failure. We could talk about that pressure that your kids feel because you know what? They feel it. They do. I've talked to some of them. That's the burden. That's the stress on their shoulders. We could, we could sit up here and talk for the next hour about these things. right? Social media, technology, the impact this has had on, on them, on us, on our world. It has. I'll say these are amazing tools. I mean, this thing is more powerful. I remember when we got our first computer, 512 megabytes of storage. Man, dial-up internet so fast snail's pace this is more powerful than what we had it's such a powerful tool at the same time it's the most destructive thing what it's done the addiction it has brought we could spend a lot of time in fact the sermon was initially 2 hours long <laughs> but they told me to cut it down so or I was fired um, we could talk about all these things, but instead, here's what I'd rather take the time I've got left to talk about as it relates to youth is I'd like to talk about the, the effect that all that has had, the result, the end result of all of that, where that has landed, what that has done, where that's landed Gen Z, our youth is they are the most anxious, depressed. Suicidal generation to ever walk this earth. More kids struggle with mental health than any generation before. I understand why. When you look at everything I just listed, if you would like to sit down and talk about those things, I'd love to chat. You can get coffee. But nonetheless, this is the result. I want to throw some numbers out to you, okay? This is in Jefferson County, Jefferson County. So this is not the state of Colorado. This is not Denver County. This is not next door. This is right here in our neighborhood, our backyard, right here, Jefferson County. In 2019, now that year is important, 2019, pre-COVID. So if you look at, talk to experts and other people in the field, they'll say this number is, is probably higher now. In 2019, over 5,000 Teenagers, 18 and under, over 5,000, attempted suicide in 2019. Jefferson County. That same year, 2019, over 28,000, that's almost a third of every kid in Jefferson County, over 28,000, said that they felt so hopeless. And so depressed, so anxious that they could not function for at minimum two weeks. A third. Let those numbers set for just a second. Colorado as a state, you know where we rank in getting our kids help with mental health? Anyone want to guess? 48th, 48th, almost last. And the rate at which kids struggle with anxiety, depression, any mental health-related illness and or are suicidal is higher than the national average. I wonder why. I want to read to you something from uh, Children's Hospital. This is 2021. This is actually almost a year to date. Children's Hospital Colorado on Tuesday declared a state of emergency regarding pediatric mental health with leadership saying Colorado's youth's levels of behavior and mental health problems are outpacing medical problems at an unprecedented rate and the crisis needs to be addressed. In other words, this is a, another article I read said this. When you think of Children's Hospital, right, you think of kids with, with cancer, kids with serious diseases, you think broken arms, injuries, that kind of thing, Right? Children's Hospital at this point in time sees more, more kids struggling with mental health, anxiety, depression, any other mental health issues, suicide, than any other issue. Than any other issue. Mental health is the number one reason kids are going to Children's Hospital at this point. One more thing is You know what the leading cause of death is for teens in Colorado? Used to be car accidents. You know what it is now? Suicide. Our kids are in a crisis. This is a pandemic like we've never seen before. They need us. They need us. And yet, as one person put it in this article, youth-related services, the most overlooked and underfunded, as a state, anything youth-related. This is heartbreaking, isn't it? This is what our kids are up against. That's a pretty bleak picture. So what, David, you get us together on Youth Sunday just to make us all sad and and show us how hopeless things are? No. (laughs) No, but here's the deal, is that you, in order to understand how great our hope is, We have to understand how bad of a situation we're in. When things look the most hopeless, when there is hope, it is so much greater. One side note real quick before we move on to our next point. There's a slide right up here, okay? I want to get this number out to everyone. This isn't just for teens, but if you, a teenager, any adult, if anyone here is struggling with mental health, this is the Colorado Crisis Service number. Put this in your phone. 24-7, you'll be connected with a crisis specialist. This is not the solution, okay? I'm not saying, oh, problem's figured out. No, no, no. Here's a part of the fix. Here's, here's some help. So put this number on your phone. You can even text that word TALK to 38255, and you'll be connected with someone. You can talk to them via text. But again, this isn't just for youth. This is for adults, too, because adults, I know we struggle with mental health as well. Uh, one side note too, there's also going to be coming in June or July towards that time period, a new number. It's going to be 988. So it's kind of like 911, but it's 988. It's not active yet. It'll be active later part of June, beginning part of July of this year. Um, it's kind of like 911, but for mental health. So um, there's, there's another resource for you there. Okay. I just want I didn't want to forget that. That was important. All right. So where's the hope? Let's hop back into the story. La- last we looked at the bleeding woman. There was no hope, right? Last we look at Jairus, he went to Jesus, and, and things looked rough, and then his daughter died, and, and that was the end of it, right? So let's let's take a look at what happens here. So if you have your Bibles again, turn with me. We're gonna verse twenty-eight. We're gonna pick it up there. It Says this. So she she had heard about Jesus, and she wanted to go, and she just she thought, you know, if I could just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. So it says because she thought if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. It seemed hopeless. The situation was hopeless. But here's Jesus. And now, all of a sudden, she's healed. Where there was no hope, there's some hope. Let's keep going. We're going to pick it up. Verse 36. Verse 36, this is after they say that, Jairus, your daughter is dead. Verse 36 says this. Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him, and he went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. The situation was hopeless, but not for Jesus. You see, the the main point I want us to see is this, is that Jesus awakens hope in hopeless situations. Jesus awakens hope in hopeless situations. And here's the beauty about that hope is it's, it's hope for here and now. Yes, we can know that in the middle of our hopeless situation that Jesus is right here with us. That the God of all creation, the God of the universe, the God who loves us and cares for us more than anything is right here with you now in the midst of whatever you're going through. He is present. We can have hope in him and know that, yes, miracles do happen. Yes, prayers are answered. And so we have hope in him right here and right now. But you know what? The even greater hope we have is is that we don't just have hope in him for here and now, but because of his death and his resurrection, we have hope in Jesus Christ for eternity. We have hope today, tomorrow, and forever. You see, some some prayers are not answered on this side of eternity. Some prayers are answered on the other side of eternity. That's the grand hope that we have. I miss my father so much. I pray for his healing here and now. But you know what? I know he's healed. I know he is on the other side of eternity in the presence of our Lord and Savior. Cancer free. It is gone. He is healed and I know I'm going to see him again. You see, that's the ultimate hope we have in Jesus is that The end is not the end. Is that there is an eternity and he promises if we have faith in him, if we believe in him, we will spend eternity with him. We will spend forever in the presence of our God. There will be a day where there is no more crying, no more sickness, no more death. That's the hope we have in Jesus. Isn't that a wonderful hope? He awakens hope where there is no hope here and in the life to come. So what's the application? I'm going to go through this quickly. What's the application for this? All right, we've got hope in Jesus. We know that. So how do we apply that, especially as it relates to youth? I said they need some help. How do we apply that? Well, youth, I've got an application for you, and adults, I've got an application for you. So youth, verse 42 says this. I'm going to read the whole thing. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. You see, they were astonished at the fact that she was walking because of what Jesus had done in her. Because of the healing that Jesus had brought. And so, youth, the takeaway for you is this. Continue to walk in your faith. Continue to walk in your faith. Jesus has awakened to faith in you. He has brought you to faith. And it is so encouraging to me, to your youth leaders, to these adults, to see the work that he is doing in you and through you. To watch as Jesus continues to draw you closer to him and as you continue to live your faith out, especially given what you're facing. It edifies this body. It encourages us. It makes me want to walk closer to him, watching you guys walk your faith out. Continue to do that. Continue to know him. The hope and the prayers that this isn't a temporary thing, but that you walk your faith out for the rest of your life. We are so proud of you. We are so in awe of you. Keep walking the good walk. Adults, all right, here's the takeaway for you. Verse 43. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this, and he told them to give her something to eat. Adults, feed them. All right? I know the youth are like, wait, really? Is one of his takeaways to have them give us free food? Yes, yes, it is. You all owe me 10 bucks a piece after service, okay? And all honestly, feed them physically and spiritually. Buy one of these kids a meal. I get the pleasure, the honor of getting to know them and seeing how wonderful they are. We really do have some amazing youth in this church. This isn't all of them, there's a lot more of them. We have some phenomenal kids. I believe that wholeheartedly. Get to know them, take them out to lunch, hear their story. Or if you're going, you know what, oh, I don't know if I can do that, buy them a meal somewhere, get them a gift card you know what that does is it reminds them that they are seen. It goes, okay, even outside of my youth leaders and the people that I interact with, I know that someone here in this church who I might not even know sees me is encouraging me and is there for me. That speaks volumes. Feed them spiritually. Pray for them. Pray for these kids. Pray for their friends. Pray for their families, for their parents, for their siblings. I'd ask that you pray for for us as youth leaders. Pray that they get to know Jesus more. Pray that he brings healing. That he continues to grow them. Encourage them. If you see them, bring them a word. Share with them a scripture. Maybe that's in person. Maybe that's a note you sent to them. You can feed them spiritually. Get involved. If you've got a passion for youth and you'd like to get plugged in, come talk to me. I'd love... I'd love to hear your passion. Now, side note, I probably won't be able to meet till the end of summer because I'm gone all summer with these guys, okay? But, come find me. I'd love to chat. And even outside these four walls, there are plenty of youth organizations that need strong Christian men and women to pour into our youth. Again, come, come chat with me. I know plenty of old bosses and coworkers who are involved in so many different nonprofits and areas that need help. So, Church, remember that Jesus awakens hope in hopeless situations. I don't know where you are, but he is our hope, not the situation. Our hope is in him. Youth, continue to walk out your faith. Church, let's feed them. I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day and this time. Thank you again for the opportunity for us to gather as a church family, Lord. Jesus, I don't know where everyone's at. You know, you know where everyone's at this morning. Lord, I pray that if anyone's feeling hopeless whether it's something someone else is going through, whether it's something they're going through, or maybe they're in a situation where all hope is lost, Lord Jesus, I pray that you remind them that our hope is in you, that you awaken hope in hopeless situations, Lord, that we have hope for today and now, but also for all of eternity, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray that you encourage these youth, that they continue to walk in their faith, Lord, and I pray that we as a church body, that we feed them, that we walk alongside them. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name, amen.